Awesome. Well, um, I truly believe that um, God is speaking so loudly uh, in this time. And I just really want the Holy Spirit to really, really speak. I, I think um, what I think that song was perfect that we ended with when yeah, we're turning right. our eyes on Jesus. Uh, and it is something because when we look to Jesus and keep our eyes on him, I think the issue if that is just so loud right now is that we're not looking where Jesus is actually looking at. Right yeah. Now. Okay. Yeah. And we're not listening. It doesn't feel like we're listening. And it is actually, especially this week, there's been such a conviction in my heart when it comes to what the Holy Spirit is actually trying to get us to look at. Trying to get us to see what is wrong morally in our society, in our world, especially in the church. And we've politicized a lot of things. We've made a lot of things about something else entirely different than what it comes <laughs> to the actual issue, which mm. is a moral issue, which is humanity. Anytime we can look and see what has happened, not just to a certain race, which is the African-American race, but just to an individual, just to mm. people and watch that, it's heartbreaking, it makes you angry, but even more so, it's the aftermath of everything that has happened and how our views and our focus has been completely to the right, to the left, and not at the actual issue. We've made it about everything else. Yeah. We've talked about everything else. But we won't talk about what's actually happening. I think here today, we need the truth of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, to point us in the right direction and actually look at Jesus. What are you looking at and what are we turning our heads away from? I think in my life, which I really want to give you a reality of what we see that is playing out right now. A lot of things have been said about systemic racism. Is it a myth? Is it not? Well, I'm going to tell you how actual and factual and how much of a reality it is, both externally and internally, how it has been a dominating force in our culture, leaving us as black African-Americans inferior to white people. It is just the reality, but no one wants to look at that. No one wants to listen to that. It's, it's too hard to swallow. Where if we're looking to Jesus, he's looking at this issue. So, quickly, 
I'll just go through a couple of things to give you the picture. You may not feel it, but I, I hope you do with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But it's to give you the picture as to where people are coming from when we're talking about systemic racism. It starts in 1619. It starts with Africans coming over into America and being dominated as slaves, being used as property, being used as labor to build up white people's property. This is not an opinion. This is facts. This is what happened. 1619. They gave us what was known as slave Bibles. Well, what's a slave Bible, Carvin? Well, a slave Bible is when the Christian who was white would take certain things out of the Bible and leave certain things in there. So when they gave it to African-Americans, now being called African-Americans, they would use the scriptures they gave to keep them in a mindset of being dominated by saying, you have to obey your master because the Bible says that. So the Christian is already taking the word of God out of context. This is why it was known as the slave Bible. So anytime when you see the picture of white masters, masters, on the plantation, few of them, maybe three, four, five, with a slew of African-Americans across the plantation, on the cotton field, hundreds, fifties, hundreds of black African-American people being enslaved, it would make you think, well, surely they could take over the white family or the white master and completely rebel and have their way. But no, we were dominated. Mm. We were we outnumbered them. And yet we were slaves because mentally they dominated us with the word of God. And we believed it. They had what was known as slave patrols. So you see the police brutality happening now but you have to trace that back all the way then. Slave patrols were a mandatory thing whether white people wanted to do it or not. They had to sign up to be the people who would police African Americans. This is how it happened. Okay. So as they're patrolling, whatever, whenever the African Americans got out of line, whenever black people got out of line, they had the right to force punishment on them, which would mean lashes on the back, no more than 30. If they were walking somewhere, it didn't have the appropriate papers to show that they were owned by whatever master they were owned by, they would whip them then and there because they could. This is how we were treated. Yeah. Slave patrols. Mm. That happens all the way through the Emancipation Proclamation. So then you would ask, oh, well, you're free now. No, hmm. we're not free. First of all, everyone wants to look at Abraham Lincoln, the president, and say he fought for slavery. 
That wasn't his desire. That wasn't his motive. His motive was to protect the union, to keep the union together, both South and North. How do you do that? Well, you have people who are abolitionists who actually don't believe in slavery, but everything is around the economical growth of America. So how do we manage to where we continue to grow, but try to release the slaves and let them be free? Well, we fight for the union and in fighting for the union, I have to get back. I have to get behind the notion of at least theoretically in my mind, make slaves free. The North doesn't have as many slaves. The South is full of it. So we write into law, slaves are free. But there are loopholes. The one major loophole for African Americans is that if no one can now say an African American is a slave, but if anyone commits a crime, they are due to punishment. So what happens when you have a systemic racism going on within the system? It's in the system. It's systemic. But when you have hate in people's hearts, what they do with the genius of evil, because racism is so intelligent, that you say, okay, I can't call him a slave, but if he commits a crime, I can enact punishment. So this is where the birthing of the vigilante group of the Ku Klux Klan is created, 1866. This is after slavery. This is after we are supposedly free as a people. So this is what happens. Ku Klux Klan comes in. They're so violent. They're so violent. They're so evil that the federal government in the North, which is DC, they actually have to send in military troops to stop the nonsense of how violent it actually is. And when I say violent, I'm talking literally going down your street and watching African-Americans hang from trees because they were caught by white people. And the reason for it is because they could say at any point they committed a crime. We're criminalized. This is how we're seen in society. Please listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Because if you keep turning away from it, church, you're going to miss the moment of what it looks like to have mercy. Yeah. Quit politicizing everything. Quit making yourselves feel comfortable and actually look at the humanity that Jesus is trying to get us to see and actually show compassion. This is how it's been. So if you go back to that time, they had to stand they had to send military troops to keep at bay these vigilante groups and what they were doing. Not completely stop it, but to slow it down and to minimize it because it was just completely out of control. That's domination. That's what's happening. Yeah. 
please listen to what I'm saying. That's what's happening. So now when the military comes in, it brings down this violence. It shuts down even the KKK. Yes, there's still things going on, but it's shutting it down. We're moving into the reconstruction era. But then, again, it is systemic. It goes from that point into the Jim Crow era. So now the Jim Crow era is all about the era of segregation. But let me tell you where Jim Crow comes from. For those who don't understand when you think or when you've heard of the term, Jim Crow is actually a caricature that a white man created to make fun. It was a lab, it was a dance and song routine to make fun of the African American. So what do they do? They dressed up in blackface. They slurred their words because most, if not all of African Americans coming up as slaves were not learned people. We were not educated. We had to find a way to educate ourselves. So, in saying that, this is what Jim Crow was. It was at, at, at the expense of African Americans, it was the entertainment for white people. This man would go around dress up as blackface. So when you see blackface, when people do it, could they be ignorant? Yes, they they very well could be. Absolutely. This is why I'm saying this now, because we have to look at what has happened and what is currently happening. We can't be a church and be so full of ourselves that we miss what Jesus is trying to get us to look at. To have compassion, you have to be broken for things like this. So, this is what would happen with Jim Crow. Obviously, that died, but what happened, why it became Jim Crow laws, because of that, it was so derogatory. It was so demeaning. It brought us down. It mentally dominated us. We saw ourselves as inferior. We saw ourselves as a joke. Because everything that was done was at the expense of joking on us. Mm. You're entertained by what you see in us. We're your property. It even goes back to the three-fifths law. You write us in the Constitution as three-fifths. Well, what does that mean, Carvin? It means that we weren't considered human. First of all, we weren't even considered civilians. We didn't have a right to vote. We weren't people, but the South wanted the power. So what they said to the North is we're going to use the property we have and make them people in the sense of we can gain more seats at Congress. Mm -hmm. So if we gain more seats at Congress, it keeps us in power to keep the slaves that we have so we can keep growing economically. So we don't have to do the work of cotton. We don't have to do the work of hard manual labor. We keep using them because they're our property. So three-fifths meant every fifth person, every fifth slave will be counted as three votes into Congress. 
So just do, just, just, just come. You're a person. You're a person. You're a person. You're a person. For Black African Americans, it was one, two, three, four, three, six, seven, eight, nine, six, so on and so forth. It was a group that counted as three votes and not an individual counting as an individual because we weren't seen as people. So going back to Jim Crow, these laws came into place where it was the Supreme Court that said, make them separate, but not equal. So what does that mean? It means we couldn't go to the same schools. We couldn't ride on the same buses. We couldn't stay at the same hotels. We couldn't drink from the same water fountains. We were separated. We were segregated. But now it goes further because internally here's where the real domination is, which was known as segregation de facto, which means that every white person we saw, we had to address them as sir and ma'am. Because we had to be seen as the lesser and we had to look at them as superior. Anytime we stood at the stop sign, if a white man was walking down the street and were waiting at a stop sign, we had to wait to cross over the street until the white man came and crossed over. No matter how far back he was, if we, if he was in our eyesight, we couldn't actually walk until they walked. Wow. So when you hear African-Americans, because I grew up saying, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, no, we, we think it, it is a term of endearment. It is a, a, a sign of respect. Mm -hmm. But this is where it actually comes from. <clears throat> That's domination. That's internal domination. We are actually structured over hundreds of years to think, to act, to be told, to be said what, you know, I'll tell you what to do. I'll say what you do. You do what I say. This is how it works. I'm white, you're black. I'm superior, you're inferior. We keep turning our heads away from the real issue. We keep making it about something else. We won't actually address what the real problem is. It's in the system. So, in saying that, we come all in, and again, the policing continues because that the segregation actually brings the resurrection of the KKK back up. Because now what has happened is we will criminalize you and we will do this and do that because you are seen as criminals. We get the civil rights movement. That happens. Thank God. Well, okay. It's a step in the right direction. But nothing has really changed because there's still police brutality in the North and in the South, 
they call it the great migration because most of everyone that was experiencing this horrific punishment by authority who had no accountability was trying to flee to the north. So every color, every ethnicity is trying to flee to the north. You have prohibition, you have things happening, you have the mob, you have all of these <clears throat> things happening. And it is the police that are even corrupt to the point that is so much happening through every ethnicity that something or someone or some group of people have to take the fall. And guess who that group of people are? African Americans. I say all that to say, well, what does it look like in my life growing up? Well, I will tell you. Because the domination, even from my point of view, has been horrific. But it has been so systemic and so, so a part of our society that we just go along with it. I went to a Christian school. I went to a school that was backed by a Christian church. The principal of that school was the pastor of the church. Many people that worked in the school went to the church. So the kids that we grew up with in, in this school, we thought the same way. We were of the same yeah. faith. We believed yeah. the same way. But my experience was so different because there would be people who we called ourselves friends. We use words like the N-word. We would be called this. I remember my brother just reminded me the other day and he said his best friend, his best friend at the time, great friendship, loved each other, played with each other, smart people. And his friend was really smart. Yeah. My brother trusted him. You gotta understand we're in elementary school. Yeah. We're, we're, we're fourth grade, fifth grade. All we know is innocence. That, yeah. that, that's, mm -hmm. that's, all, that's all we know. Yeah. And so he sees his best friend picking on another guy, another kid who's new to the school. And it's this justice that rises up within my brother. And he goes to his best friend. Now they have the friendship. Yeah. But he goes to his best friend because he chooses. Because, just because you're my best friend... I can't look away from this. Just because we're Christians, I can't look away from this. This is morally wrong. You're, yeah. you're picking and you're bullying a kid yeah. because you feel like you can. Mm. That's not right. Mm. No one's telling my brother to do this. This is just in him to stand up for something yeah. that's just wrong. Yeah. He could easily say, Oh, well, he's just having to go, oh, it's just fun. Because that would mean you, you don't have to deal with the issue. Mm. But he chooses to deal with the issue for the sake of losing a friend. So when he goes to him, he says, look, if you push him again, you're going to have to push me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. They're children. Yeah. How old was he? Oh, 10, 11. <laughs> love it. Maybe. Yeah. But here's the heartbreaking part. The 
kid, his best friend, pushes him. He pushes the kid, the new guy, and then my brother steps in and pushes his best friend. And before you know it, his best friend looks at him, looks at my brother and says, you in. Wow. And wow. it shocked my brother. Because he's like, how could you call me that? And we're the ones that are friends. Yeah. You're the one doing something that is morally wrong. I'm trying to stick up for what is right and just. And then you use something that completely handicaps and disables me and paralyzes me. Where is that coming from? We've never spoken like that. You've never used this. You've never said this. Where is that coming from? The pressure is hit for you to do the right thing. And now you come back and you slur a word that is completely derogatory. Hmm. And all my brother can think in that moment is, but your parent works in the head office. <laughs> So not only are you saying what you say hurts me, but you're using it and the authority and the weight behind you mm. carries more domination. Now I'm completely paralyzed because I have no idea what to do. How do I go to the front office whereas it is your parent that is in the front office? Yeah. Who did you learn this from? Yeah. You didn't learn it from us. You had to learn it from your home. Yeah. It had to come out of your home. Somewhere along the way, you felt like what you're saying right now is actually okay for you to say. What the woman Amy Cooper said mm -hmm. in New York to that black man, I'm going to call the cops and yeah. tell them it's an African-American mm -hmm. that is after me. Has she ever said that before? I don't know. But the fact is, she felt like she could yeah. mm -hmm. because of what has been in yeah. the system. Yeah. That's right. Are you guys pleased to listen to what I'm saying? Yeah. This is not a political moment. Mm -hmm. This is for us yeah. to take our stand as the church and call out wrong awesome. moral behavior. Yeah. yeah. Because no matter who it's coming from, it's wrong. Yeah. Mm. What are we going to side with? That's right. Views that we happen to have or the truth of the word of God? That's right. If we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus, how come we can't look at the things he's looking at and actually pay attention to it? <laughs> Good goal. Yeah. I had... I was good at sports, particularly basketball. I could play any sport because I was just, that's, that's just what it was. Whether it was soccer, whether it was baseball, hated baseball because I didn't like the ball coming at me. <laughs> so I was quite fearful of it. That's how I knew baseball is just not my sport. But I had athleticism and particularly in basketball, I had talent. So as a freshman, and freshman in the States is known as grade nine. I was on a varsity team 
And that varsity team only comprised of grade 11 and grade 12 students, juniors and seniors. Mm. Well, I was a freshman. Mm. That, that was not common. Mm. That would go to a junior varsity. Mm. But I was too good for a junior varsity. So they put me on varsity. They did it. They put me on varsity. Mm -hmm. Not only was I on the varsity team, but I started on varsity. Right. So I was a starter. The only black kid. There was only a few of us in the school. When other black kids would come, they would leave the next year. We would always wonder why. Because there was racism going on in the school. This is how you know it was so system. It was so systemic. And it was such a mental brainwash to the point where you're, you're confused as to why it's happening because you're my brother and sister. So I'm trying to deny the fact that it's my, the color of my skin, but you treat me not according to it being equal when it comes to what I'm able to give and that has to be is because of the color of my skin. The reason I say that is I have more talent in basketball at that level than most of the kids that I played with at the higher level, mm. which is why I'm playing with them. Yeah. And every one of my classmates, every one of my teammates knew that. Mm. They couldn't deny it, no matter how angry they got, no matter how upset they got, mm. they couldn't deny it. But the coach, he could control it. So what happened was one particular game, this will happen throughout the year, but one particular game, which my dad had enough, we traveled an hour and a half away to go to a tournament. The first game happens. In the first game, I started every game. But in this game, I'm starting six, eight points within four or five minutes. We're, we're, we're on the verge of we should win this game easy. What happens? Timeout comes, first quarter, coach takes me out. Okay, want to give other people playing time. That's fine. All right, it's fine because we should have fun with this game. So I'm all for equal. Even if the talent isn't equal, at yeah. least we can present everyone yeah. to get yeah, yeah, an yeah. equal, yeah. fair share, especially when we can beat this team easily. Okay, so I go out. I'm the only one that goes out, but that's fine. First quarter ends. Second quarter comes, second quarter ends. I don't go back in. All right. See, this is mentally playing with me because I'm trying to understand, did I do something wrong? Mm. Was I disrespectful? Did I not pass the ball the way when I should have? Did I not shoot? Did I not? I'm trying to understand what's yeah. happening. Halftime is over. Third quarter comes. Don't go in. It's like, okay. We're winning the game. Everyone's getting their share, but I'm still sitting on the bench. Fourth quarter comes, two minutes left in the game. Oh, maybe about five minutes. We're standing in the huddle, and the coach is acting as if I'm not there. The reason I know this is because one of the other players who started and is in the game, giving everything they have, sweating, tired, exhausted, actually looks at the coach and says, coach, Cuts him off. Coach, why don't you put Carvin back in the game? And the coach looks at me and says, oh my gosh, of course. What was I thinking? I didn't realize he was there. I'm the only black person on the team. 
How do you not see uh, me? Uh, How do you not see me? George Floyd laying on the ground, eight minutes and 46 seconds with a knee in his neck from a white man that won't even look down and we don't notice it. Yeah. How do you not notice it? Yeah. How do you make it about everything else but the that's issue? That's How do you that's do that? Yeah. And we call ourselves Christians and yet we make it about, oh, yeah. there's a few bad apples uh, in the police force. No, it isn't. Uh, it's not a few bad apples in the police force. Yeah. The system is bad. The system is rotten. If you don't believe me, I just gave you the facts of how the system started. Yeah. That has never changed. Yeah. You know why? Because people won't stand up and actually repent for the system. We have so many American churches actually saying we need to right some wrongs. We need to do some things right. We need to get America back to where it was. America has never been great. So why are we saying it is great? It isn't. Yeah. Wow. It could be. If churches actually stood up and repented, it could be. Yeah. Because that means you could have people who would be equally looked at that means what Jesus is looking at, we would be looking at, our hearts would break, we would get compassion, and whoever is bleeding, whether it's African Americans, whether it's white people, whether it's Asian culture, whoever is bleeding, we would step in and help and dress the wounds because that's what a good Samaritan did. That's what a neighbor does. But no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to come off of our high horses. We don't want to get off of our pride. We would rather stay with the politics of what's happening, skate around the issue, and not deal with what's happening in front of us. That's, That's the problem. When are we going to wake up and not become activists, but become ambassadors of Christ? Yeah. Yeah. I had someone tell me when I was younger and I was a freshman, play with my mind, play with my mind. This white senior would always call me during lunch. It was such a bullying, dominating spirit. But I didn't realize it because I don't know what's happening. He calls me over. You look up to the seniors. You look up to them. You're a freshman. You, they got the popularity. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Hey, man, how you doing? Yeah. How you doing, boy? See, we were related to as boys. Yeah. Mm. It's inferiority. Yeah. You're trying to keep me down. How you doing, boy? You know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now. Whoever messes with you, they're messing with me because you're my boy. Mm -hmm. So now I'm your, I'm your property. Mm. But you're putting it in a way yeah, where yeah. it makes it sound like you like me. And then I'm looking at the faces around, a few of them kind of finding a joke in it because it's always been a joke. But a, a, another group of people are like, what you're doing is wrong. But guess what? They're not saying anything. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone is so used to looking away from mm -hmm. what is wrong. Mm -hmm. They won't speak up. Wow. 
Oh, and this kid, he gets blameworthy. He gets, he gets very clear. Time after time, every time he saw, I was trying to avoid it because something in me, it just didn't feel good. But I was his clown. I was at the expense of, I was his entertainment. Oh, if anyone messes with you, tell him you're my boy. And if anyone calls you an in, so now you want to say the word? If anyone addresses you as an in, you're not their in, you're my in. Wow. <laughs> right? You're my in, right? The language of ownership. Yeah. That's exactly domination. what it is. Domination. It's unbelievable. How is can is you, this in the Christian school? This is in the Christian school. This is in the school every single day I'm walking because the popularity of my talent brought me, the, brought me to the attention of this group of people, of yeah. the seniors. Yeah. Everyone loved sports. Every, everyone came to the basketball yeah. games. So now I'm exposed. Yeah. But I'm the only black kid. I remember they did, it just came to my mind. They did an example of people walking in and being like slaves in front of the whole school at lunchtime, chained up. And I have to sit here and watch this. Wow. wow. How do you do that? Martin Luther King, civil rights activist, civil rights movement. You say you're a Christian school, okay? Well, let's honor what's right because what he stood for was justice. Martin Luther King holiday came in. It's an American holiday. We celebrate it. It meant whenever that day came up, everything should close down. Did that happen at the school that I went to? No. Of all schools. Yeah. You're a Christian school. Yeah. You're for justice. How do you not? You closed down for President's Day. Mm -hmm. We don't go to school for President's Day. The ones who had slaves. Let's just tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I'm not, I, am I angry? Absolutely. But it's not about me being angry to be justified for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get us to look at the fact that we're missing the whole point where we don't pay to the, where we don't pay attention to justice that needs to be done on behalf of people that are helpless, yeah. that are being yeah. marginalized, that are broken. That's it. It's time out for that church. We can't continue to be this and be the church. You don't get both because the word of God is very clear. Yeah. We're too quiet. Yeah. So that's what happens. So internally, we are so dominated that this whole conversation that I'm having with you right now I did not desire this. It is exhausting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because it has been like this forever. You say, oh, this is not my problem, Carmen. I can turn away. I've never related to this. Yeah. Okay. So I have to look at it. Guys, I don't want to look at this. Mm -hmm. It's like you tell me, Carvin, guess what? Buy a ticket to this movie. And I look up, and, and, and the movie is George Floyd. 
You're not going to believe what's going to happen. No. I actually know what's going to happen. I don't want to see this again. Yeah. I'm tired of looking at the same mm -hmm. thing. Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Look, go, go, look. No. I, I know what's going to happen. It's the same thing over and over and over again. But guess what I had to do just last week or the week before? God woke me up and said, stop turning your face. Stop turning away. Wow. Look at it because this is what I'm bringing, justice. And if you don't look at it, you won't know what it looks like to have compassion. Yeah. You don't know what it feels like to have mercy. So this whole week, mm. I'm seeing Christians left. And how do you put the word dominance and compassion in the same sentence? Mm. How do you do that? Mm. Someone explain to me, please, how do you do that? How do you say we have to dominate the streets because it's compassionate? Jesus never said we have to dominate. So how do you marry the two? I, I, I want, please, someone help me with this. Because it's not, it's not making sense to me. We would rather stick up for political reasons. We would rather stand behind something that was so convicted by our own futile thinking instead of taking the word of God and saying, man, this scripture actually says when the righteous rule, people rejoice. But when the That's wicked right. rule, people grieve. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I like. Let me see the fruit of what the scripture says. Are people grieving or not? Yeah. Are we divided or not? Yeah. So then why is this a conversation? Why is the church not saying we repent? Why when you have a meeting, you skirt around the issue of what has happened to George Floyd to the point that you can't even say his name? You can't even say his name. You know why? Because you choose to turn away. You choose not to look at it. You choose to walk away from it for the sake of your own pride and what you've chosen to stick with due to whatever political reason you have. And then you want to say, I'm politicizing? This is moral issues. That's and unless right. you're willing to call it out according to the word of God, Good I'm call. sorry, but I don't know how in the world you call yourself an ambassador of Christ. I don't get it. Good call. And this is why the world doesn't get it. They're so confused. They're crying out for help. We have the answer, and yet when we give it to them, they're like, well, well no, wait, wait a minute. Jesus, but you're saying this, and you're saying this. You're sticking up for this, and yet you're trying to get me to be converted? That sounds like a slave, a slave way of doing it back in 1619. Take my doctrine and use it. And while you use it, I'm going to dominate you. Wow. wow. The American system is not broken. That's how it was built. And unless the church, unless people repent, yeah. get on their knees, stop turning away from it, the system will never change. So the call is, God is trying to give us the 
opportunity as the church to receive mercy and look at the issue because he is tired. This has been happening for over 400. This is not a new thing. God has been seeing this all the way through. You cannot tell me it is coincidence that the streets are crying out. You can't tell me it is a coincidence that now black and white people are walking and protesting. You can't tell me it's a coincidence that it is so infectious it is going throughout the world. Yeah. Mm. The yeah. justice is loud and clear. Yeah. Are we willing to lose friends for the sake of what the word of God says? Yeah. I am, yeah. and I probably have lost some. But who is my mother and father? Who is my brother and sister? Those who are willing to do the will of God. That's who my family is. If you want to be righteous in what you do, quit trying to dignify what you believe and what you think is right by giving me all of these facts well, I think systemic racism, uh, it's, look, look at what they're saying. Look what the black people are saying. That, 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 that's your support. Because they're black means that it's not true. <laughs> wow. That's unbelievable. Oh, well, Black Lives Matter, I think that is uh, Marxism. Okay, so now you have a movement happening and now you want to speak to the movement being wrong. The problem is you've never been in the position of being looked at as property. You've never been in a fearful position of not having anything. So now you want to call something that that was birthed out of the hurt and the pain and the anguish that we've had to experience as a people group and trying to start something so people could see what is actually happening to us. We're trying together and you want to take that and talk about it being a place or a situation or a movement that's trying to overtake capitalism and make it a political thing? How do you do that? We're crying out for justice. What do you want us to do? Yeah. Good, good. This is the point. It is not about a movement, but it is about a movement. The movement is sincere. How do you call that antichrist? <laughs> How do you call that antichrist? Yeah. Please tell me. Yeah. If you're willing enough and bold enough to call it that, I don't care what type of position you hold. I'm willing enough to stand with the word of God and you tell me, how do you answer to this? Well, the truth is you're still turning away from the issue. The issue is not the movement. The issue are the people. That's it. Come on, people. Church. Seriously. Wow. Let's read the scripture. Because it's all about the scripture. Yeah. So let's read the scripture. John chapter 8, 1 through 11. And I'm going to read it. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered because they want to hear what Jesus is saying. Yeah. And he sat down and taught them. 
as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. Wow. Now it's getting religious. It's the church coming in. <laughs> brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. So now they want to distract and turn away from what Jesus is trying to speak and trying to teach. And they want to take everyone's attention and bring something up that's legal or legalistic. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. They didn't care about her. Mm. They, they didn't care about her. No, They're trying to I trap didn't. Jesus. I didn't care about her at all. She's, she, she's a prop. Yeah. She's not a person she's to them. That's right. That's right. That's what they're doing. So what happens after that? But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. Yeah, that is the law. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Mm. Such a popular scripture mm. and a passive scripture because we all know it. Mm. We know what Jesus did. We know the woman was sitting there. But, but the issue is that I've never seen it this way. And that is, what about the people that were ready to stone her? What happened to them? <laughs> good question. Good point. Jesus waited. He said it. Whoever hasn't sinned, throw a stone. Started drawing in the ground again. Because you're right. By law, she should be stoned. So I'm going to let the one who has no sin do it. But they all left. Hmm. They weren't listening. Because when you read what Jesus said, he said, who has no sin, throw the stone. What he did not say, who has no sin, throw the stone, but... If you do have sin, you have to go. Hmm. He didn't say that. No. So why leave? Because your heart is hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you'd rather turn away and not see the fact that mm -hmm. this door, just like for the woman, mm -hmm. is open to you. You all have sin. You've admitted it because yeah. you dropped your stone. You can't throw it because you all are there. But you have an opportunity to get your heart right. You have an opportunity to come to Jesus just like the woman is on the ground and ask for mercy. You have the opportunity to show compassion on the woman that you're ready to stone because Jesus just called you out. But what would you rather do? Turn away from the issue. Let me wow. keep my opinion and keep going. Wow. 
Jesus gave him time. He gave him time because he kept writing in the sand to the point that the only people left in the middle of the crowd was Jesus and the woman. What does Jesus do? Does he give her a list of things that she's done wrong? Does he give her a 12-point doctrine or a sermon to try to bring condemnation? No. Is Jesus without sin? Yes. So what does he say to her? Where are your accusers? Where are they? Where are the people that make it about everything else but That's right. you? Where are they? Where are the ones that are coming to condemn you? And she looked around and saw no one. And he said, neither do I. He's not telling her to sin. He, as a matter of fact, he says, go and do it no more. But the justice is in the fact that he stayed because he wants to see people that are broken remain or restored to wholeness. The ones that had the stones had the same opportunity yeah. And yet, they chose to walk away. Everything that I'm seeing, whether it's social media, whether it's on the news, we would stay and rather stay in a place that makes us look better and makes us look good mm. and, and, and turn our heads from what the real issue is. A group of people have been dominated for far too long. And if you just want to isolate it, which you can't because it is systemic, just like I've broken it down. You see a family man, you want to bring up his criminal record yeah. as if that matters. As if that matters. It's unbelievable. It is a modern day lynching and yet right. it's okay. We, we call ourselves, oh, we're not racist. That was back then. You just witnessed a modern day lynching and there is not enough uproar about that. In the streets it is, but it's not in the church. The uproar is, oh, it's just a couple of bad apples in the police offices, that in the so law bad. enforcement. That is that so bad. We just got to fix it. We just got to yeah. get it right. Where's the uproar for the man that had to die calling out for his mother who was dead two years ago? That's how you know he knew he was going to die. Because he's calling out for someone that is already dead. Yes. His life was taken from him in broad daylight. And yet we're talking about law enforcement having a couple of bad. It's an incident. around, Like, like, like the incident was someone going into a safari and killing an animal that happened to be on the verge of being extinct. That's an incident. That, that's an incident. And yet you will still probably name the lion or the tiger or whatever animal it is. You will still probably talk about it. You can't talk about this man's name because you can't even say it. Because if you do, it becomes personal. It becomes right in your face. It becomes confrontational. And that's exactly what you don't want to deal with because your heart's We have to keep, if we turn our eyes to Jesus, we have no choice but to look at what he's looking at. Wow. He 
sees the brokenhearted. And he will not, if our hearts are broken and our hearts are contrite, he would not despise it. He says, be like the good Samaritan. Mm. Not like the Levite. Not like the priest. Love your neighbor as yourself. These things have to be corrected. It can only be corrected if we repent and stop turning away. I'm pleading yeah. with the church. Can we please get it right and not make it about anything else? It's awesome. But what Jesus is making it about. We have that moment right now. The scripture gives us the example. What are we doing right now? You have to ask yourself, mm. am I floating around this whole thing to make myself sleep better at night? Or am I looking at this and saying, if I've aligned myself with something that's not right, I need to repent. Yeah. If I'm not looking at this issue, I need to repent. Then we can see the power of God come in. And the world will know that Jesus loves them. Mm. That's it. Let me comment, Carl. This is like, ooh, <laughs> wow! It's a shame that you have to go through the history lesson with just to get the point across, with the hope that some people might get it. It doesn't have to go that far. This is the point. Do you want to use the mic? Yeah, sorry. I'll say it again. It's a shame that you have to work so hard to go through a history lesson so that Christians somehow will get the point. It doesn't have to go that far. And uh, that parable or that, that story of the, the sinful woman, woman is a powerful story that, that you give. <laughs> And the result is like, who received the forgiveness? They were all sinners. <laughs> and right there was the opportunity for the, mass, for the mass of people to actually receive their forgiveness. But their self-righteous yeah. agenda caused them to miss the very thing that Jesus promised to give, except for this woman. And, you know, mentioning... Mentioning the the the, uh, the uh, good Samaritan, when Jesus Jesus used that parable by saying "Love God and love your neighbor," and if you read the passage, it says, "And the man who wants to be justified then ask, then who is my neighbor?" <laughs> then Jesus gave that that that. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. But in the parable, if you look carefully, the Levites and the priests who are supposed to know better because it's in the law to love your enemy. As a matter of fact, in the law, in the Deuteronomy, it says, if you see your animal, uh, your enemy's donkey 
is in trouble, you mm. should lose it, like mm. unloose it. Like you, you should, yeah, untie it and restore it to your enemy. Mm. How much more if it's human, all right? Now, they had that law, but instead somebody's on the street, totally looking for, looking for help, they just walk away because they're on the way to the temple. Mm. Because they have to serve a system, right? Mm. And Samaritan is a second-class citizen. They don't deserve to be in the temple or whatever. They're a second-class citizen, mm. according to the Jewish eyes. Now, these guys, because the Jews and, and, the, and the Samaritan, they, they don't, don't get along well. So here's a guy who actually had to break through the tribal differences and, and prejudices and religious differences and prejudices, step out of the way and lay aside all self-preservation and then help the guy pay the bills in the inn and everything. And Jesus said, now that's what you call your neighbor. Mm. It's like, I want to say this, just if we miss this thing, we, we saw institutionalized mm. Christianity. Even Christianity is just a culture now, really. Like you go to a Christian school. What does that really mean, Christian school? Mm. <laughs> like really? And we, 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 we do our Christian-y things. It, it, it's a system to us. But let's just stop. Like, like you said, you nailed it. It's a moral issue, and we politicize it. It's like when my, one of my kids hurt himself or herself. We've got five kids, you know, in case you guys don't know that. <laughs> hurt herself, and she screams. Do you think as a, as a good mother or good, good father will say, If you stop, don't stop screaming, I'm going to help you. I'm not going to help you. What? Really? Mm. She's hurting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes the cry is too loud because sometimes, yeah, maybe, maybe disproportionate to the pain, whatever, but as a good parent, like, you know, honey, are you okay? The first, but instead of, you know, honey, this is the rule of this house, all right? If you, when you hurt yourself, you can't scream like that. It's stupid. Mm. But that's what we do. And yeah. all the reaction, all the, it's just people screaming in pain. Yeah. Now, hey, yeah. I must say this to the Christians, disciples of Jesus. What does the Bible say about race and all those things? You know what Paul said in, in I think, in Second uh, Corinthians five. No longer do we see people in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's in the context of we are all new creation. Second yeah. Corinthians five. No longer do we see people or, or regard people according to the flesh. Why? Because we're new creations. In Galatians, he says, no longer Jews, no longer slaves, no longer masters. Yeah. He said that. Yeah. No longer slaves, no, no longer free, free people, free yeah. men. But one man, one race, yeah. new creation. Now, for Christians now, on the social media to, to politicize and to, it's like, hang on, a guy just being murdered 
and you create all this, it's stupid, really. So anyway, that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm angry. But now, I'm angry, why? Because I think as Christians, I watch how, you know, this is very important, all right? Because it, as a pastor, I owe it to you to disciple. Mm. The people in our church, how we are to behave with fellow human beings. Like the good, we have to be like the good Samaritan, break out of our, our uh, whatever racial thing and step out of our comfort zone and reach out to people who are hurting. It's like, imagine if my wife said, Bram, do you love me, Bram? And my answer is, I love all people. Mm. <laughs> what kind of... <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> but that's what that people are doing. Yeah. Like, she's hurting and saying, Bram, I don't feel like you love me. Do you, do you, love, you know, like, do I really matter? And I, my answer is, honey, all people are matter to me. All people matter to me. No, no, at this moment, she wants to know yeah. that she matters yeah. to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. are we human or are we not? Yeah. Anyway, I better stop it. Right. You can close. <laughs> you can say what I want to say. Wow. This really does go to the core of who we are as followers yeah. of Jesus. And I'm going to say this. This man, <laughs> this man is a new creation an ambassador for Jesus. Mm. He is now, but I'm going to see him. I don't know how long, where, when that, that is, but he's going to be one of the best preachers you'll see. Mm. You are. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry awesome. All right, imagine, I love how you spoke about that story about the woman caught in adultery. So really what you're saying is, they dropped their stones and walked away, but imagine if they dropped their stones and stayed. Yeah, I love it. What would have happened if they dropped their stones and stayed, and it became about their own reckoning with Jesus? Yeah. If they turned their eyes on Jesus. See, this is not a moment for us to kind of sidetrack and be distracted by all sorts of other things. Mm. Like this is very confronting. This is awesome. Mm. Even for us here in Australia, like we have yet to really look at the whole Aboriginal Absolutely. system and what's happened here. Like it's making my heart mm. thump very strongly in my chest. I think, wow, what is it that we, you know, have we buried our heads in the sand? Yeah. Have we put our stones down and just walked away and not chosen to look? Yeah. And we've, we've ignored cries in our own nation. Like, this is very confronting. Yeah. Thank you for that, Carmen. Really. And, really. and it takes Thank real you. courage for you to be able to speak up like it's this. Awesome. Yeah. So, I think we, we just need to have communion now. Yeah, go for it. And Thank you, Jesus. I think we'll just sing that song again. But let's just grab some bread and grab some water. Oh, yeah.
hunting. Yeah. Yes. It's not an easy moment. You know what? Let me, let me, let me say something. If we, the church, fail to become like the Good Samaritan, we're going to lose our voice in the society. Because we're just going to be like all the rest of the guys, politicize everything. And yet we're supposed to be separated from all that. We're not going to have our voice if we, if we are not careful. That's why as disciples of Jesus, separate ourselves from the world. That's it. Don't politicize, systemize anything. Just look at people the way God sees them, and when they're in need, just help them. Like, empathize. Like, anyway. Thank you, Jesus. to missing it. So close to missing you. And we don't have to. Our hearts should be breaking. be so angry with the enemy that it's ridiculous. Yeah. The world will always be divided, but it is the church that is so sad because mm -hmm. we're so divided. Yeah. And Jesus and his body is not divided. We won't look at what he's looking at. opportunity to not miss it, but it requires us to be confronted with our own cold hearts. And that can be any area that God is trying to highlight, but right now, he's trying to highlight the equality of people. Let him do that. Because you told the disciples at the table, I desire to have this Passover with you. No, Lord, that shows me you desire to be amongst your people. That's it. That's what. More than anything. We're so caught up in the supernatural, we won't mm. allow your spirit, the true spirit of humanity, to enter our hearts and care for one another. What does it mean? Pray for someone's healing if we can't hug someone and say we love them. What does it even matter? When what you did for us, you did it in the flesh. The Bible says you were unrecognizable because of our sin. 
we see someone like George Floyd go through so much pain and we can't even look at that. So how can we really look at you? The truth is painful, but it is freeing. I thank you, Lord, that you did not disguise yourself. You didn't sugarcoat anything. You said, this is my body. It is broken for you. Take it. You showed us how to be disciples. And you said, no one is my disciple if they can't pick up their cross and follow me. It is confronting. But it is by your spirit we're able to do it if we just willingly not look away anymore. So we look on you, Jesus. And we take your body that was broken for us. We take your blood that was poured out for us. This is not a ritual. This is not a religious act. This is truth. And this is what we're reminded of every week. We have your divinity, but in that, be human. Love people. Bear my cross. Show empathy. Have compassion. Be broken. Your anointing will rest on us. We will be ambassadors of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So we take your body now. Yes, Jesus. We have it. Take your blood, the cup that represents your blood. And we partake and drink now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And again, Lord, I just pray for the healing of everyone that is broken. Yes, Jesus. Everyone that has been segregated, whether it's by mind, whether it's by color, mm. whether it's by gender, what it doesn't matter, Lord. Everyone that has been segregated, man, woman, there's no Jew, there's no Greek. Mm. We are one in you. Anywhere we have felt inferior, Lord, I pray for those right now that have not been seen as equal, and Lord, even more so, that have seen themselves less than equal. In you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will touch them now, heal their hearts, Lord, and show us how to love your people. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>